we're in Ephesians, and before we get to baptisms and communion and all the really fun things, we get to look at the Word of God together. So if you'd like to, to follow along with us, it's Ephesians chapter 6. We're doing a passage you might know pretty well about the armor of God. But I don't know if you've heard this phrase before. Have you heard it? When life gives you lemon, makes lemonade. You ever feel like you're just on a treadmill trying to make lemonade? I mean, all the things that happen in life, and, and it gets a little tiring, I feel like, with all the things that come at us. It's a constant struggle. Health, not going, there's the next thing to deal with. Or family, relationships, money, pandemics. Hey, like, let's, I remember the church kind of going, oh, hey, it's so good. The pandemic's going to make the church get out of the building. Let's make some lemonade. So the strawberries, okay. Hey, you know, when things are going well, though, and when you see the lemonade and you see great things, all's right with the world. But when things aren't going well, and that happens a lot, when all's not right with the world, how do we think? What, what do we think about that? Like, is that how I'm supposed to think about it? Just take whatever bad thing and try and make it a good thing. And, and I think even in the Bible, I think the, the man in the Bible who, like, was the richest man ever, like Bill Gates had nothing on this guy, Right? The wisest man ever, the most diligent guy ever said, I worked and I, I did all I could and I, I enjoy the fruit of my labors and I, my pleasures and I, 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 he made lots of lemonade. And, and, and there he was. And he said at the end, there's this little sign, right? It's a theme of Ecclesiastes and Solomon. Empty. Vanity. Nothing. Man. That's the best, right? And most people don't even get there. They, where we try and buy into this mindset where we're, we're trying to get there. We're trying to get to the point where we have enough or, or, or where we got lemonade instead of lemons. And, and it's a tough life, the hurts and the wrongs. And I don't know. I talked to someone this week thinking about the bridge over Deception Pass. When you really look at the difficulties of life, we don't just joke around. It's not just a Sunday morning sermon. We go, hey, a little puff for you. There's not much justice in this world. There's not a lot of fairness. There's a lot, a lot of good things. There's stuff suffered and maybe, maybe you're the Christian and you get to see, wait a minute, <laughs> what a Christian really is. You know, Christians... The guy who ran away when Jesus was taken. All the disciples ran, right? The Christian's one who's been demon-possessed, utterly hopeless to get themselves right. The, the, a Christian's one who was a killer of other Christians and got his eyes opened. I'm talking right about the heroes in the New Testament, about Peter and Mary Magdalene and Paul. And these, you got to think, well, wait a minute, there's, there's something else going on. There's something amazing. What is it? You and I know something so incredible. He chose you. Jesus Christ adores you. God in Christ. And so, so I, I want to I take that lemonade apart today you, and just say, you know what? You weren't given lemons. You were given Jesus. Wow. What does that mean? This is what you're supposed to stand on. And it makes a difference in your life. And so I want to look with this 
on, with you today because God in Christ has you. He protects you. He is for you. His strength is enough. And so we're looking at one sentence, and I'm not even sure we're going to get all the way through it today. It's one sentence, and it goes from verse 10 in chapter 6 all the way through verse 20. It's not one sentence in English, but in the original language, it's one sentence. All goes together. And it's the Bible for you. It's an incredible message for you. So let's let's take a look. I'm calling it Still Standing because it's about standing armored by God. What is that? Why does it matter? Okay, so here we go. First, we're going to talk about the different kind of strength that you and I have. Because we have a different kind of strength than the world gives. And, and here it is in verse 10. Chapter 6, Ephesians, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So finally, when he starts with finally, he's marking a new section because he's been through three chapters of all about Christ's love for you and the amazing power of God for you. And then he's gone through the next two chapters talking through five ways to walk, five ways to respond. We've been through all of them. And now he says finally, and he's going to talk about standing, not walking. So this New section comes up, and in order to stand, you've got to have some strength. You know, it's a hard thing to get up and stand. My dad can't do it anymore, hardly. You've got to have some strength. So he says, hey, I want you to be strong, he says. As soon as I hear the word strength, and I think about Christianity, and I think, oh, I, I know how to get strong already. It's called resistance training, weightlifting. You know, if you want to get strong, you exercise, and you, you do stuff, and, and, and I work out. I grow in my strength, and, and I tack the world this way, you know. I get up three days a week early in the morning to go work out because it's good for me. I'll get stronger. And I think, oh, that's what he must mean in terms of Bible stuff. So I, I had a spiritual working out, and then kind of drag it right over and said, okay, well, I know it's not lifting weights, but it's probably lifting the Bible by reading it lots, by praying by devotions, these are awesome things, you know. I love them. I do them myself. I commend them to you. But that's not the strength. Right? This isn't to be strong. And this is the central key component of Christianity you've got to get. It's realizing that you're weak. Right? To, to, to realize that we're strong only in the Lord. This is the reason we see what strength is. Be strong where? In the Lord. And you say, well, in the Lord, meaning I'm, I'm, I'm in the realm of the Lord and working to be strong. No, no, and that's why he puts this other little phrase, in the strength of his might. Right? This is really important to start. I mean, I know what that power is. Why do I know? Because I've read Ephesians. And back in chapter 2, you remember in chapter 2, four words all strung out in a row about the power of the power of the power of the power. I actually think it's the end of chapter 1 even. Dynamite, strength. And it's all this power that raised Jesus from the dead and will raise you too. That's the power of God. That's your power. Your power is not God's power for you. And the strength of his mind is your trust and knowledge that God's going to raise you from the dead. We're doing baptisms today. That's what it is. It's showing that, right? The power of God who resurrected Jesus from the dead and seated him in the heavenlies. And he says he's going to do the same to you. Wow. 
So, so we're walking around the strength of a certain trust, trusting that God will raise you and me from the dead. This is, this is not the strength to resist sin. There is such strength. This is not the strength to be holier than someone else. This, is, this isn't strength to serve or strength to be a great person for God. This is the strength of God for you. Resurrection power. And I want you, says Paul, that this is the main thing for you in your life. I want you to have a life that's awesome and, and, and amazing and wonderful. And it comes on this ground of you saying you're strong in the Lord in the strength of His might, not your own. I walk around, and you should be too, being strong. I'm strong what? In the strength of trusting that God in Christ is for me. So, so he says, how do I get there? What do I do? I said, I want, it. I want that. I want to be strong. So therefore, so this is connected to, it's part of the same sentence we started. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Stand how? Well, in the strength of the Lord. But against the schemes of the devil. So the goal that you and I have in life is to stand. And a special kind of stand, standing against the schemes of the devil. What's that? What are the schemes of the devil? Well, that sounds kind of bad. Yeah, the devil scheming, the devil, literally the word devil, Satan, he's the accuser. He accuses you. Right? You aren't worthy of God. Get stronger. He tears you down. You know what's good and what's evil. How come you're not doing the good? He puffs you up. You're strong yourself. It's not about resurrection. It's about your strength. Get stronger, dude. Dudette. It's the devil. He goes about, Peter says, like a roaring lion seeking for who he can destroy. The destruction is to leave the truth of God's strength and go get your own. Straight from the Garden of Eden, right? You want to be like God. So, so you need armor, he says. But before we get to the armor, I, I want to just make sure you understand, because this helps us understand how weak we are, who your enemy is. Right? It says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is so different than I'm prone to think. If if you really were going to corner me, and maybe you're the same, but but maybe you're not, but I think a lot of us are kind of like this. So what's the Christian life about? Who are my enemies? Well, the main enemy is me. That's what I think. I mean, I'm prone to, to, to sin. I need to conquer it. I need to do better. I need to resist it. Remember, remember back in Genesis, I think it's Genesis 3, 4, there's Cain and Abel, and God comes to Cain, and he, he didn't accept his offering. He says, you know, sin is crouching at the door. It wants to rule over you. You've got to get it under control, Cain. I'm paraphrasing. And then Cain, it's only after that that Cain goes and, Murders his brother. He couldn't get it under control. And I think, well, I, I don't want to be like Cain. I want to do better. Uh, my focus is usually right there, my own self. I need to improve it so I can get to God. But this is a whole different idea here. In fact, in fact, the whole reality is God in Christ has cleansed you. 
I don't want to accept that. I want to cleanse myself. He promises to resurrect you just because of Jesus. You say, well, if it's, not, if it's not me, I fight against, okay, I get that. But I kind of want to fight against other people. And, and, and there I need to be stronger. So, so there I see, there you go. I need to fight against the wrongness of other people. And this is all over our society right now. If you're not drinking this in, you probably aren't alive. Because politics has overcome our country. What's that? Fighting against each other. So divisive. Those people are tearing down the morals of society. Those people are are demeaning others and causing gross unfairness in our culture. They're evil. They're against me. They're against our tribe. We've got to fight them. And if that were the case, well, maybe you could make that argument. I mean, this world were about me versus you, and we're going to arm wrestle. Then I'm going to go ahead and try and arm wrestle you better and beat you. I can get the better ideas. I can get more money and, and have more influence. I can, I can get more people behind me and all those things. And it could be that kind of fight. That we were fighting. So that's what fighting is. No, wait. You got the wrong enemy. That's the problem, right? So you got to see what your problem is. Our enemy is wrong. They, our enemies aren't greedy tech giants. Our enemies aren't passionate community organizers. Our our enemies aren't violent protesters. Our our enemy aren't people choosing abortion. Our enemies aren't people choosing who to marry or deciding what gender they are. There's truth in all those things to fight over. I get that. I get we've got to stand for it. But but our enemy. Right? What's this about? We wrestle, Paul says, not against people, not against flesh and blood, but against what? Rulers. Authorities. Authorities. Cosmic powers over the present darkness. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what? I'm not a ruler or an authority. And I'm certainly not a cosmic power. And unless you really believe like Marvel Runaways or something, neither are you. You're not. Don't believe the TV. Those are fake. This is real. There are spiritual powers. There are. Stronger than you and I can imagine. You can, you can argue with another person, but you're not going to go convince cosmic powers. You aren't with your little feeble efforts overcoming the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I can't even see them. Much less fight them. It's... It's like, okay, we'll make a little ring, a fight ring. And I'll step in and I'll represent the cosmic power. And then we'll find a little tiny ant. And that will represent you and me. Ant versus foot. There's no way that ant's getting me. There's no way. You think in my strength I'm going to go beat a cosmic power. You see that we're, we're, we're thinking it wrongly. We, we're strong, all right, but how are we strong? In the strength of... His might, the power of God, the power of God who made the unit. That's the power we have. That's the fight that we're in. That's the reality that we stand under is we actually have God himself who has said to us, I've got you. My power is for you. It's the only power that's going to make any difference anytime is the power to raise the dead. 
So we stand, you and I, but we stand here not attacking, not taking territory. We stand as though God himself has told us, and he has, that he has staked out this place, which is us, and we are his. He's called us his own, and we stand armored. You say, well, I don't feel armored. (laughs) Man, I'm protected. I I don't feel protected. I get it. We're not actually talking about busting out leather and chain mail. Or even if you're a, you know, a role-playing game, no crystal plate. But, but the reality is we do put on armor. And we gotta think of it this way. That's the Bible. This is Paul's trying to get us to think. You're putting on armor. I'm taking hold of it. What is it that I'm taking hold of? Now we're ready to feel like what's our real protection. I know that's not really it. That's just a picture of the Mandalorian. It's okay. Okay, so verse 13. Therefore, therefore, now I get it, that, that I need to protect it against massive powers that I, I have no hope against. So therefore, he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Okay, this armor is going to allow you and me to withstand the cosmic powers of the universe who are the real enemy of you and me, who are part of the accuser who says they're not worthy to be in God or for nothing. What does it mean to take it up? It means each piece you're acquiring, you're thinking about, you're seeing that this is the armor that actually protects you versus what you in your flesh think protects you. Okay, this is our life right here. We may work hard to advance in the world. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. You may have passions for political issues. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that particularly. You may debate and enter into battles on earth, verbal or otherwise. I get it. But this is where your life is. The only one that really matters is this one. And that's what Paul's saying. There are actual powers out there, and you've got to be armored, and this is the armor. Stand, therefore, verse 14, (coughs) having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I'm going to pause there. There's two pieces to this armor too. Actually, there's multiple pieces, but there's two little sections and when you look at the original language, it's, it's all about standing. And therefore, the putting on the armor is about standing. And then he has these four pieces of armor, and then he's going to have two more. He breaks them up in the language as it's there. So these are the first four. And there's a main trap to avoid, you and me. <laughs> Here's the main trap, and you probably, maybe you got taught this when you were younger. I did. It's that you've got to go get this armor, and the armor are things you do for God. Right? So, like, for example, people say, hey, put on the belt, and that means have integrity because truth is integrity. If you have integrity, that's, that's an armor. And then say, get righteousness. If you do righteous things, that's the armor. Like, put on your righteousness, man. Put on your shield because your shield is you trusting really well. Whenever they do that, they leave out the last couple, which is the helmet of salvation, like somehow, okay, you save yourself. Oh, no, that can't be. Or the sword of the spirit, like somehow the spirit you... No, actually, it's all. This is really important. 
not your armor. All of it. And if you start thinking it's your armor, you're going to go down this path or you're going down the exactly thing that you're going to fight by flesh and blood because you're going to fight by how well you're doing and how much integrity you have and how, how much sin you avoid. and how much, All things that are good, you ought to avoid every sin you can ever avoid. But, but the thing is, this thing over here is that you're armored. How are you armored? Not your armor. The armor of God. His armor for you. Right? Take up the whole armor of God is connected, standing therefore, putting on this first, this belt of truth. You fasten the belt of truth. What is it? Note that the language says you've already done it, you who have put your faith in Christ. All these things you already have. It's seeing, it's putting on, it's coming to and saying, you know what? I realize I'm not without defense. I have the defense I need. God in Christ has me. The first is the belt of truth. What's the truth? Really important, the truth is, we live in a day, especially now, postmodernism, where there's no such thing as truth. Everyone's truth is relative. And there's lots of areas in which that's, I get it, because what we call truth isn't really truth. It's like science. You know, science is about hypothesis and confirming hypothesis. You always assume that there's no truth. And you go try and find it. We have something that is the truth. We got it, right? So you know you got it, and it's not a big deal. It says, Jesus says, like, for example, in John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What's the word? The word is the message of Jesus Christ coming to earth for you and me. The very core that we stand on is the truth, is the truth of Christ and what he's done. This kind of truth, Acts 4.12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's the truth. No other way. <clears throat> and the message over and over pushes in this truth that Jesus did come and he died for you and he loves you. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, and this is the truth that God came down from heaven and he died and he rose again. This is the gospel. So this armor is truth, right? You, the first thing in, in the belt, you talk about a belt when you're getting armored. It's not like this little thing I'm wearing. It's covering your whole thighs, right? It's this big thing you put around a gird and keeps things from cutting at your legs. Truth is a big deal. This truth. It's real practical. God has, because I'm going to, let me just, these are the lies. These are the accusations that the truth helps to cut against. So the lie comes in, right? God has given up on you because you keep on sinning. Lie. Not true. I know the truth. Your life, your ministry has no impact. You, this, I, I'm telling you, if you, this hasn't attacked you. It's going to attack you. It's not about being a pastor. It's you living your life. As you live your life, and you don't see a ton of stuff happening. You're like, well, I just don't do much for the Lord. I, I have no in Lie. The Bible says Jesus has you and bears fruit in you. I don't care what you're doing in your life. I don't care what you could be doing cars. You could be, you could be painting. You could be writing books. You could be living life. Whatever you're doing, God's using you. How do I know it? The Bible says so. It's the truth. Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, right. Jesus rose from, yeah, true. Cause the Bible says it's true. So this, these whole things that come in, right? That we're girded with the truth and the accusations that start to come, we're able to stand against them because this first piece, we're, we're, we're standing in the truth. It's actual armor against the devil. The truth we know is from scripture. It concerns Jesus Christ. Lean on it. It's not trivial. Okay. 
Stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having put on, already having done it, the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, with these two, we're covering 80% of our body. We got the legs and we got the breastplate. What's the breastplate? Of righteousness, right? There is no righteousness but whose? Christ's. Right, imagine, you can go look at it later. We don't have time. Zechariah chapter 3, check it out. It's like it's Satan comes and accuses Joshua the high priest and he's standing there with filthy garments and God takes the garments away and gives him clean garments. So cool. It's a picture of this. It's a picture of you and I have this breastplate of righteousness. We actually have, we walk around all day, not us trying to be better, but us knowing we have been given the righteousness of Christ. When the devil comes and accuses you and says, you're not good enough, what do I got? Yes, I am. I'm covered in the righteousness of who? Now, devil thinks that he can sort of diminish or demean the righteousness of Christ. Good luck, devil. Now I'm an ant, but I'm an ant armored by the armor of God. Because if it's about your righteousness, guess what? I'm going to find a way. I'm going to track you down. I'm going to go with a camera on your shoulder, and I will demonstrate for you that your righteousness is flawed. And guess who knows way more about your righteousness than you do? God. Guess who else can figure out your righteousness pretty quickly? The devil. So you're saying, hey, what you're after is your own righteousness, and i, I got to get it in, and i got to build my, my breastplate. No, you're, you're saying what I have, I have put on the breastplate of righteousness. Whose? Christ's righteousness for me, because that's what it is, right? Look at 1 Corinthians one thirty. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, this is where we stand, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He goes on, but I just want you to see the righteousness word, right? Same word. Or this one, we don't have any righteousness of our own. Paul writes in Philippians, to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. That comes from the law, you know, the things I've done. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. What's that mean? Trust. He's not saying trust so that I do the law. He's saying trust that I have the righteousness. Okay, there's more. You can keep going. Romans 3.22, Romans 5.17, Romans 10.4 and 6, Galatians 2.21. This is such a huge concept. But we keep slipping back to thinking, i got to get my own. No, you're protected by Jesus' righteousness. It's a grave danger if you think you're protected by your self-righteousness. Go ahead and try. If you want to try, go back and read Psalm 15. I know we read 28 today, but there's plenty of places. It says, who can ascend God's holy hill? And try and say, do I do those things? And you better say no. And you better come out and say, you know who does though? Jesus. And I've got his righteousness. So these storms of life come, these ups and downs, not because we're not good enough. It's not God beating you because you're a screw-up. You, you know, you don't take in the deceptions of the devil. You're covered in another's righteousness. So you've got these two massive protections going over your legs, going over your whole breastplate, covering your vital organs. <laughs> you're, you're, you're protected. And now, now, tap, tap, let's look at your feet for a minute. This is really important. I'm wearing a brace today because I can't really walk on this ankle. You need foot protection. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
Okay, now we've got to realize what this is saying. All one t- It's not saying the shoes of the gospel, but the shoes of the readiness, the preparation. Think of Isaiah 52 in verse 7. It says, how, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. And then it keeps on going to say, we're going to break forth into singing, for God has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. You see, salvation has come, oh, precious people. We're gathered today because salvation has come. The good news has come. And you've put on these shoes. They're already on you. It's the readiness, the preparation given by the gospel of peace. The good news that tells you all the time God's at peace with you. Do you realize God's at peace with you? Right this second. It's so amazing. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Philippians 4 says, May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So the gospel, the gospel is peace with your God, and there's nothing else you have to do. And these are your shoes, the preparation of this, the actual taking in of this, the reality of this. It's not you trying out and evangelizing. That's not your peace. Evangelize. Tell people about the goodness of Jesus. Go for it. Don't say that's protecting you. Do you know what's protecting you? The reality that gets into your heart that the God in Christ has prepared peace for you right now you're at peace with god you start to see the problem with when life gives you lemons make lemonade what's the problem i haven't been given lemons i've been given peace with god i've been given the righteousness of christ I've been given truth that the world doesn't even know. You've been given a fine, amazing, precious drink. Okay, that, that, that starts to be, right? In all circumstances, it says, verse 16, to do the fourth, this is the fourth piece here. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And connected to the other three, the same participle, in all circumstances, above all, it means. It's, it's the same sentence, but he says, oh, and above all, you got this massive shield. You've grabbed this piece of armor. You already have it. What is it? The shield of faith. And you know why this is so important? Because I struggle. I struggle with truth and righteousness and peace. They're there, but they're hard to see. But, but, but I'm covered with faith. Faith is trust, right? It's not you trying harder to believe. It's the trust that, 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 that the Holy Spirit has brought into your heart. Your eyes have been opened that it's really true. All of these things we've already said, these pieces of armor are true. Why? Because I got this shield of trust that God in Christ is for me forever. Oh, yeah, he's given me his righteousness. Oh, yeah, the truth says it. But, but I trust that it's actually true, that God adores me and you. Trusting Jesus, trusting that he has you right now, trusting he has your brother and sister too. Ephesians 2, 8, right? says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, this faith. 
It's a gift of God that you trust him. Do. Choose it, right? I choose to trust God. I choose to go there. I choose to say, absolutely I do. But the reality is, I know it. And, and, and when the devil shoots his arrows, and that's the, the language here is, is this amazing sort of flaming darts coming at you from all over. That feels like my life. Now you're getting closer to my life, Dex. And what you have is you have this big shield. And what this shield is, God's for me. I can stand here and you can shoot your arrows at me that says I haven't done enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not kind enough, I'm not the person I should be, I'm not doing all the stuff I should be. I know it, that's so true. And, and if I didn't have this trust that God is for me all the time, I would start going, oh no, I, I, I do, and I, I drop my shield and I try, 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 try and do all the stuff I'm supposed to do to get rid of the arrows. But the arrows are coming and they're accusing you when God in Christ says he's for you every moment. Don't believe the lemons. Don't believe the darts. God isn't good. That's a lie. God won't save you. That's a lie. It can't be Christ alone. That's a lie. Okay. We got a lot to do this morning, and it's super cool. So I have to end here. We're only partway through the sentence. We got a couple more pieces of the armor. But it's enough for you to see today, I think, that those four things are the main portions of the armor. There's two more pieces. They're parallel pieces. We'll take them up next week. But I have a heart for you today, and I hope in this little bit of time you can see clearly. You and me, we are armored. You got it. The point isn't how to supply yourself with the armor. The point is who supplies it. God has provided. We stand because we're armored, not in order to be armored. We're enabled by the confidence the armor provides. Our effort really is to stand and not to run off and hide in the corner from the world and all it represents. It's to stand in the knowledge that we're protected, the truth and the righteousness and the gospel peace and the faith we've been given, this great salvation. It's real. And we stand unashamed. And we stand knowing that we're fallen and knowing that we sin and knowing that we have no deservedness in ourselves. But I can't believe this treasure I've been given, which is Jesus Christ for me. It's not Satan can't touch me because I've been truthful, but I'm protected by the truth that though I'm weak, I'm strong in God's strength. It's not because I have been acting rightly, but because I'm protected by a righteousness I've done nothing for. It's not I deserve it because, but I'm protected by the steadfastness that freely given peace brings. I want to end with two quotes. One is from Brian Chappell. He the, was the <clears throat> head of the Covenant Seminary. He said, whenever we point to our godly practices as the source of our spiritual protection, our virtues become tools of unbelief in which we deny the need of grace and assert the rule of self. Don't do it. It's all about grace. Or from an early theologian at the beginning of the 20th century, he said, Christianity is always from death to resurrection, not from action to consequence. I stand trusting in God with you. So it's not life gives you lemons, so make lemonade. But life has not given you lemons. God in Christ has given you a treasure. And what you need, you and I, as we stand together, not looking at each other's flaws, but amazed that we've received something we don't deserve. We've received Christ. It's amazing.